This is the NBL Show. Play NBL Fantasy for free. You could win $5,000 plus daily prizes at nbl.com.au slash fantasy. Uh, yes, indeed. Welcome to the NBL Show. Two games into the grand final series, uh, and this series has just been incredibly hard fought so far, so plenty to get through. We'll review the first couple of games. We'll look ahead to Game 3. There's some boomers to talk about, and we might even have a look at what happened with the uh, Philadelphia 76ers today, and Ben Simmons is absolutely copping it from all angles in the US at the minute, not not a single person defending him, least of all his own teammates. We'll have a chat about that as well as I welcome in uh, the main man on the NBL show, Pete Hooley. Hello to you. Good to be here, mate. And, yeah, exciting times. Two grand final games down. Three, potentially, in Melbourne. So they'll be looking forward to that. But it's going to be a big game three. Uh, let's start with game one. So 73 to 70, you and I did this game together uh, for United Live. And of course, Friday's game you'll hear on the SEN app as well. Just click on the SEN Fanatic tile. 70 to 73, Perth have started both games incredibly mm. well. So Melbourne have had to grind and grind and grind. Perth have made them earn every single bucket in every single minute of every single quarter. And they led at half time, and, and it was only really a 29-18 to 18 third term that opened it up for, for Melbourne United. Other than that, Perth actually won every other quarter. It's been really impressive from the Wildcats, and obviously the key is no Bryce Cotton hasn't played for the last few weeks with his injury, and they're always going to be up against it. But when they got the news that they were going to have games one and two at home, I think they got a little belief that they could perhaps snag one uh, and then try and come over to Melbourne and, and get a big upset. But, yeah, they came out really strong in game one and just guys doing all the little things they've done all year. I mean, John Mooney was not John Mooney to his best, but still had an impact. And Todd Blanchfield was incredible. Had 27 points, five of nine from three, seven rebounds. He was unstoppable. He was hitting some big shots. But you're right, that third quarter... Third quarter, Chris Golding just did Chris Golding things and hit some massive shots just to kind of break it open. And, yeah, they came back in the fourth, but their spirit was still... You could tell they were always going to be chasing their tail. And, I mean, they were three away from sending it to overtime. Jesse Wagstaff just missed it, but still, Chris Golding took it over in the third. It, it was frantic scenes at the end, wasn't it? It, <laughs> it was. So we, it, we've it's been played ad nauseum for poor Jesse Wagstaff, who... Uh, as second most three-pointers made for the Perth Wildcats, he's second all-time on their games played list. He's shooting for his sixth NBL championship, which no player's ever done before. He's the only player to play in nine NBL grand final series. But he had the chance to get them within one and time to foul and get another possession. He missed the open little putback, and then he missed the three, which, uh, sadly for him, I mean, it rattled in and out. Mm. Um, it, 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 it could, I mean, sometimes, as you know, Pete, you, you've won an NBL championship. It can come down to little moments. Mm, but it can. A three would have sent it to overtime. Yep. And um, you look back and the thing that should help Jesse Wag stuff mentally is they shouldn't even really have been in that position. I mean, Mitch McCarran threw an uncharacteristic turnover right at the end that gave them a chance. Uh, they missed a layup. There was so many other things that led to it, but... He'd love to have his time back and, and take that one again, Jesse Wagstaff, who is struggling in the last few games. I think he's old of 15 in his last 15 threes. So it's very – we don't often say that about Jesse Wagstaff. No, we don't. Uh, and I'm sure that when they need him most, which they will on Friday night – and by the way, Friday night too, if you're watching that game, uh, you can watch uh, the Hungry Jacks NBL on SBS Viceland, ESPN, SBS On Demand and Twitch. Uh, 
the game will be streamed on SBS On Demand uh, and after 7.30, which is when it'll start, so it'll be on ESPN uh, and Twitch. So they'll need him to come up big. They're, they're clearly missing Bryce Cotton. Um, we'll stick with the Wildcats for a moment because you, you can't help but be impressed by their grit mm. and the plan. So they... There's a couple of guys carrying injuries, and we'll speak about uh, Kevin White. Um, it, sorry, Mitch Norton in just mm. a moment. We'll hear what uh, Coach Trevor Gleeson had to say about him after game two. But they come with a plan, a clear plan. Uh, they they execute for three out of four quarters, and they just haven't been able to buy a win yet. Is really what's only costing them. And and when you think that Bryce Cotton was averaging what twenty four. Yep. Points a game, yeah. and they're losing by three and eight. You, you can't help but admire that. So, you, so logic would have it that if Bryce Cotton's not going to be there, then you're going to lose by a lot because of how many points he mm. scores. But they find a way to cover and share the load, and they do. And they change the way they play, obviously, without mm. Bryce Cotton. So, what were they doing? Well, they're slowing the game down completely, and they're getting they're putting more emphasis on executing, slowing the offense down really running through plays to try and tie Melbourne United and almost to try and bore them out, which is one way to go about it. And just everything's methodical and same on the other end defense. They're not doing anything special. They're just really trying to uh, do, be that system-orientated team. And whereas when they have Bryce Cotton, they're playing a bit quicker. They're giving Bryce the ball. He's making big plays. And that's what's happened. And Melbourne United have no choice but to try and match that and try and be better at that than them. And they're going to do that because they're way deeper. And we've seen that all season. And that's why they're managing to get these over... Uh, get over the line in these close games. So for Melbourne United then, clearly Dean Vickerman then has to say, right, so we know what they're doing here. Did you notice him do anything different when it came to how they tried to counter on that game, that, that was almost the handbrake that was being applied to them? I think they were trying to play quicker and they found themselves getting a couple more turnovers than they would have liked. And in, in the third quarter, the main thing that we, we spoke about was Chris Golding played the whole third quarter and mm. we haven't seen that. And he hit a big three, he hit another one, and he hit a, uh, got a layup. And normally he comes out at around the five-minute mark to get his rest ready for the fourth quarter. Dean Vickerman just let him roll. And they got out to double digits uh, before the end of three-quarter time. And then credit Perth, they made some big plays in the yep. fourth. But we haven't seen that. We've seen Dean really stick to his gun and really try to go with the rotations he's got. Uh, Scotty Hobson wasn't great in that game that we've seen him play some good basketball. He only had three points. Uh, their bench was, I guess, a bit poorer than we normally expect from them. Uh, and mm. when they came in and tried to play together, while well, Chul had the 10 points, but Shea Lee only three. And Udai Bubba, we'll talk about game two, but he had zero points in the first game. So there's a massive contrast it, in games one and two. It's amazing with CG43, isn't it, that, that he averages about 16 points per game for yep. the year 15, made all NBL second team. Mm. And for the whole year, we've spoken about how his minutes have, have been managed. So yep. you, it, like clockwork, five minutes in the first, yep. off he goes, and they make their changes, and 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 they use him in the exact same parts of, of every game, and it's and you can set your watch to it, literally mm. set your watch to how Chris Golding's being used, and he has. It's like when you take your dog down to the park, and every other dog's out there running around, and your dog sees those dogs and just pulls against the lead, pulls against <laughs> the lead, pulls against the lead, and you never let the. And then finally, Dean Vickerman mm. says, "Off you go," and he just tore off and tore him apart. Mm. 
Yeah. No, he, he exploded. And he does that. And you could kind of see it in game two a little bit. He was frustrated, just wanted to get back out there at the start of the fourth quarter, end of the third, had the three thousand. But that's the way Chris plays. And that's the way that yeah, he's had a great season. But we're going to see him in Tokyo. That's the kind of stuff the boomers need because he's been there yeah. as well, obviously, uh, with Rio. He's been to the Olympics. And Brian Gorgian, I mean, we, he already said it after a game that Chris torched them for 25 in the first half in Illawarra. And he said everyone wants to come out and prove for their boomers players. And well, yeah, well, hasn't obviously. he? I mean, twenty three game, twenty three points in game one. Mm. So he he scores seven points above his average roughly, and they win by three. Mm. Game two, twenty one points, um, and it's they win by a bit more in game two. We'll talk about game two in in just a moment. So he really was the difference in that game. When you look at people being well down on average. He played well above. So you tell me, is that the measure of the best players and the great players that in the most important moments, in the biggest games, in the ones that matter, they actually find another place to be. They find another level. They'll play above what they normally bring. And that's what legacies are made on. It is. And I mean, I play with some guys that I can say are some of the most elite, elitely talented guys in the country. And I mean, playing in the high levels in college against some guys in the NBA now. But it, it's his, give it's, us some names of the NBA guys. It's his mindset. Well, no, there's plenty. Seth Curry d- did work today. I mean, they got kicked out, but he gave us 38 as well. Uh, Chris Gold, it's just his mindset. Like he goes into mm. some place that every arena hate. If you're not a Melbourne United fan, you just you don't like Chris Golding because of what he does to your team. And he, mm. every time they boo, he just gets better. And yep. that's we kind of saw. It was weird when Brooklyn started chanting and counting Giannis's free throws. How long they took? He just started knocking them down. Chris Golding's the same now. I've said this when we were calling the game. When it was game five of our grand final series in 2018 and we were playing Adelaide at home after what people said have been the, the greatest grand final series of all time, I was so nervous stepping onto that floor because I just wanted to win. It was my old home team and went up to Chris and I was like, mate, like, you're built for this. And he just flat out turned around and said, I know, cheekily. And I was like, oh, here we go. And the game was over at quarter time. He yeah. just took it apart. And I was like, wow, he, re- he really is built for this big stage. We'd love to hear from you, Melbourne United fans. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Off the text, James in Bandura says, I think United have made adjustments with ball security, particularly when faced with a press. Big call. It's true. And we saw that in game one when they had a couple of uh, opportunities where they broke the press and they were trying to attack it and throwing bounce passes to Joe Lawala's rule instead of lobs and just turning it over. Yep. And they kind of adjusted to that and they realised that they don't have to just attack the rim in transition against the press. You're going to have elite shooters spotting up and that's when guys are knocking down. Again, Udai Baba in transition is a really good one and uh, Jock Landau is playing some really good basketball. So they have made good adjustments and as we said, you have to make those adjustments with the way Perth's playing right now. So the numbers uh, in game one, so a three-point win to Melbourne United. They shot the ball from the field at 40%, Perth at 39 Melbourne 50% from two-point range, Perth at 42 This was uncharacteristic, 27% for three. I think even Chris went four of 15, maybe, four of 14. Mm. Um, but they were nine of 33 from the land beyond, just 27%. And, they, and their season average is about 39%, 36%. From Perth, who hit big threes early, which really kept Melbourne at bay, and they just weren't able to maintain that accuracy as the game wore on. Todd Blanchfield had 27 to lead all comers. Chris Golding had 23. 17 for Landale to go along with seven rebounds. Kevin White had 10 points for Perth, and they had no other double-figure scorers. Joe Lawala-Chul gave his standard 10 as well. Sixth man of the year had seven rebounds as well. Mitch McCarron is the one, though, who had, I think, six or eight points, but it was the 11 boards and the six assists. And um, 
every great house, and if Chris Golding is the, the pool at the back, the entertainment area, uh, the, 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 the incredible bathroom kitchen, mm. then Mitch McCarran is the foundations of yep. it all. So he was pivotal in that. John Mooney uh, was really quiet. And this was the other key factor. John Mooney's been averaging a double-double every year, uh, every game this year. He only had eight points and, and seven rebounds. So well down on his, I think it's 16 and 12, 16 and 11. So they, that's, that's where they got the really big win. Yeah, know, they did. Defensively. They had to because you looked at who's going to be their main guys with no Bryce Colton. I mean, Todd Blanchfield went off. We'll talk about the adjustments they made in game two against Todd Blanchfield, who was erupted. But John Mooney, eight and seven, and the eight was real quiet. It was a one-off an offensive rebound, a couple off screen and rolls where he's going to be there. Uh, they really did a good job on John Mooney. And we've seen him struggle a little bit more than normal without Bryce Colton. That's no surprise because him and Bryce Colton just work so well together. So game two, um, Perth... At home, so they become the first team since 2001 who finished lower than the team they were playing to host the first two games. Normally that only goes to the team that finished highest on the ladder because of the COVID situation in Melbourne. So this game as well, Perth would were in front at halftime. Uh, they were definitely in front by 10 at quarter time. It was all level at halftime, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then Melbourne sort of got on top with a, a five-point win in the third quarter, a four-point win in, in the last quarter, and in the end, an 83-74, to nine-point margin in the end. But again, Perth, fantastic in the first half, just couldn't sustain it. But, yeah, you're exactly right. And it was level at halftime thanks to a Udo Baba three-quarter court heat. Yes, Big hit Incredible. from Udai Baba. But this game coming into it, we thought it was going to be an even bigger blowout because Clint Steindl was out with a groin injury and we were told that Luke Travers was going to play game two. He was another one who didn't get up for it. That's who I forgot to mention in game one. Luke Travers, who had mm. been uh, got his first ever double-double career-wise, been averaging, I think, around 10 points and six boards in the semi-final series. So that was another big out for the injury was. Yeah, it was. And he just does all those energy plays that Perth do in the grand final series. They've always done that. Uh, they're missing that. So Corey Shervel got his first start in the NBL in a grand final series and played well. Had seven points and a few rebounds, a couple of assists. Uh, John Mooney was a lot more aggressive at 17 and 9. But ultimately, again, they're just going to struggle to come up against Melody United, who Chris Golding had 21 points on 5 of 10 from the field. And Jock Landau, 12 points, 17 rebounds. He crashed the boards. He crashed the boards. Udai Bubba was massive off the bench. But Udai Bubba had 15 points off the bench. His best part about this game is he held Todd Blanchfield to 3 of 19, 0 of 10 from 3. Yeah, it's, it's a massive, massive win. And that was where Perth lost the game. Mm. They were 24% from outside. Melbourne were 43%. If you want to look to what stat meant the most, and that's the area. And an 8-point loss, sorry, 9-point loss, they were nowhere near what they would normally average on threes. And Melbourne were, you know, 4 or 5% above what they normally would... Uh, in, in how they shoot the ball. So uh, this is what Dean Vickerman had to say after Melbourne United's win in Game 2, which now leaves them only needing to win Game 3 or just one more win out of the next three games to clinch the grand final series to claim another championship, their second uh, in the guise of Melbourne United. Obviously the schedule was what it was and uh, you know, to not get that home court advantage to start with, but now... You know, I guess it works in our favour to say we're going home for, for three games. But you know, my first thought when you said that is we're going home. And that's that's the thing I'm absolutely happy about right now. I think a 30-game road trip and 10 games in those 30 days. And, um, you know, so proud of our group. Um, just to, you know, stick it out, stay together. Um, 
deal with, you know, so many changing schedules and as every team has done. But, um, you know, proud that we're able to get on this long road trip eight out of, eight out of ten wins and, um, you know, win playoff games on the road. But, you know, we want to reward our fans. They haven't seen us. We're not sure how many is going to be in the building. Our sponsors, uh, everyone back home, we, you know, we've got coaching staff, we've got players that haven't been around this group and been able to, to feel what we're feeling. So um, we look forward to, you know, re-engaging not only with our own families but with our basketball family um, and, and once we get back. Melbourne United coach Dean Vickerman would have been really happy uh, to get out of Perth with not just one but two wins and now a chance to win it in front of a home crowd. How much and how many that will be is still yet to be determined. Herald Sun reporting today that the MCG is looking like having maybe 20% to 30% capacity. What does that mean for John Kane Arena as an indoor venue? Can they open the roof? Uh, it's all yet to still be determined. We just know it'll be Friday night. John Kane Arena could be the decider. Uh, Sam Hargraves, Pete Hooley with the NBL show, and you'll be able to see that game on ESPN, uh, SBS On Demand, of course, and Twitch. We'll come back and preview that game on the other side of this. Talk a bit of boomers and some NBA as well. You can get involved. one 736 736 NBL show, SEN. You're listening to the NBL show. Play NBL Fantasy for free. You could win $5,000 plus daily prizes at nbl.com.au slash fantasy. Welcome back to the NBL show. Not too long to go before we hand over to Without Bias, our dedicated lawn bowl show on SEN. But Pete Hooley, uh, NBL champion, 2018, Melbourne United. What are we expecting different in Game 3? So you're Perth, you're on Melbourne's home deck. They rarely lose. Their, they've got their tails up. They've been the best team of the year. You're injury riddled. You're on your last legs. What do you do differently? Well, I tell you the one thing we're going to say... I potentially think we could see is no Mitch Norton in the game. I don't think he's going to travel. I think it's going to be tough for him to even get up. He he can't walk. You see him out there. He is he's mm. straight heart and soul and you commend him for it, but he is in a world of hurt and uh, big plane trip over to the east. I, I don't think they risk it, which would make the job even tougher and it's going to be really hard. And Yeah, it might just be one of those games where you completely junk everything up. You throw random zones, you throw random trap, all this kind of stuff and just see how Melbourne deal with it. Just throw all these random tricks and see what sticks. So Melbourne, do they need to change anything? Or, I mean, the, the worst thing you can do is be complacent and mm. think you've already won it, which we've seen happen to teams before. So what does Dean Vickerman do to make sure that they know that this isn't a fait accompli, yet you're coming up against a team that, yep, they're on, <laughs> they're on, you know, the, the death knell sounding and they're riddled with injury, but they're the best team in the postseason for the last 10 to 12 years. I think they're just going to go out there and know that they're one win away. And we, Jock mm. Landau said they'd go undefeated. They were never going to do that, but his reasoning was... We've got to think we're the best team. We've got to play like we know we're the best team because that's the confidence we want and we have in our team. And they're going to go in there and be like, oh, we're winning this in, in three. We're going to come out there. We're going to have some fun with it, but we're going to play hard. And uh, that's what they're going to do. They're going to come out really hard from the jump. I think they're going to – we've seen Perth start both games at, in the West really strongly. I think it's going to be completely different. And Melbourne have had, obviously, the talent and the depth to get back after Perth's strong starts. Not sure if Perth are going to have the same amount of firepower if Melbourne get up double digits in the first quarter. So it's over? It's going to be hard, yeah. I mean, it's over this weekend, whether it's going to be Friday or Sunday, it's over. Hey, um, we don't have a heap of time left, just uh, about a minute 47 to be precise. 
What did you make of 76ers today and, and the, the, the pylon of Ben Simmons, who a lot of attention being called to the fact that he didn't take an open dunk and he tried mm. to pass it off. He's trying not to get fouled and not to get to the line. Even Joel Embiid said that was the turning point of the match and then that's where they lost it. Well, firstly, Joel Embiid, don't throw stones and glass houses. You had eight turnovers in a game seven. So yeah. you can't be doing that. You've got to play perfect if you're going to do that. He's obviously the scapegoat. Major reason, don't get me wrong, was why they lost his offensive end. Um, but it's not the, that wasn't the turning point. There was plenty of other things. Could have been turnovers like that. It's really sad to see. I don't think we see Ben in Tokyo. I think he's going to take some time to try and find out where he needs to go, and whether it's a sports psychologist, something just to try and ref- hit that big refresh button and see what's next uh, if he has a new environment, which I'm sure there will be. But he deserves uh, that kind of refresh. I would love to see him with the other attitude of, all right, I'm going to go to Tokyo and show you what I can do and put on the green and gold and lead us to a medal. That would be sick. It would be amazing. Mm. Um, is there? Have you got any view on him staying at Philly? Do you what, think it's done? I think one of them are going to have to move on. Uh, after that comment from Joel Embiid, if you're Ben Simmons, you're thinking, well, why do I want that in the locker room? So uh, I wouldn't mind. I saw someone tweet, but I wouldn't mind seeing him in Timberwolves. I think that'd be a great fit for him. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, that kind of unit, I think that'd be really good for him, but who knows? He'll end up somewhere, hopefully, that he can hit a good refresh button and then just launch into another part of his career. The Boomer squad, are you expecting anything unexpected? Well, I think we'll, we'll know soon whether Ben commits because we saw KD was out yesterday and he already committed. So that America team is coming in strong. Um, no, nah, not expecting too much other than that. I think Josh Giddy, Josh Green will both get picked as the young'uns ready to take the keys for the next one. Uh, besides that, all the guys you'd expect, I reckon, will get the nod. You'll see Pete Hooley sideline for Game 3. You'll be able to watch that on ESPN, SPS On Demand and Twitch. Uh, game 3 of the NBL Grand Final Series. Perth have lost no admirers with how courageous they've been and they come up against a powerhouse Melbourne United side. Will they do it in three? Will it be a sweep? Or is there another turn yet to be taken in this grand final series? We'll find out Friday night. You'll hear it on SEN as well on the SEN Fanatic Tile on the SEN app. Until then, uh, rest up, get ready, limber up. It should be uh, an incredible finish to what's been a remarkable NBL season. And we might even be back again next week if Perth can pull a rabbit out of the hat. Up next, without bias, our dedicated lawn bowl show uh, as part of SEN.